What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of Talking Out Loud. Turning the page from the SLU victory on Tuesday, we are going to be talking to our friend Stone Freeman, who does the play-by-play for URI to preview Dayton versus the Roadie Rams coming up on Saturday. Before I get to that, wanted to remind you that all of our episodes in January, and this one specifically of Talking Out Loud, is brought to you by our friends Sean Finn, former Flyer and former Flyers basketball manager Dan Helm at Clear Mortgage Ohio. Sean Finn, after operating a successful mortgage business in KC, is extending his mortgage business to Ohio. Yeah, you got it. Rates are historically low and money is cheap, so if you're looking to purchase a home or refinance, the time is now. As I said, they did it really well in Kansas City, so they're moving to Ohio and they're extending the services onto you, Flyer fans. This business, of course, is Flyer-owned and operated and no lender fees ever. They believe in lending without surprises. The mortgage process fosters full transparency, no lender fees, less documentation, and most importantly, clear communication. You know you're going to get that from Flyers. If you want more info, contact Sean Finn at sean at clearohio.com or visit the website clearoh.com. They can close your loan fast. Most banks are taking two months. They can do it in three weeks. Clear Mortgage Ohio is bringing you the Talking Out Loud episode that starts right now. To Hall, somebody get a shot up at the buzzer, it's This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Hey, here come the Flyers. 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 Hey, 
welcome back to the Talking Out Loud podcast. Absolutely great to have you for our segment today with uh, one of my favorite guys in the conference to catch up with. Um, you know, we've been uh, having the privilege over the last, I guess, four or five years now to play Rhode Island twice. And uh, over the years, we caught up with Dave Ascoli, who runs the Roadie Rampage uh, over at the Fan Sided Network. Um, and then eventually we tried to spread our wings and find some other Rhode Island guests. And about two or three years ago, that led me to Stone Freeman, who now does the play-by-play for the Roadie Rams on ESPN Plus, Stone. You've taken a step up since we first talked. You're, you're a URI graduate now. I think last time we talked, you were not. And now I turned on my, my ESPN Plus subscription about a week ago, and I heard you. And I put a big smile on my face, man. I got to tell you. Thank you. Yeah, this is, uh, it, I guess it pays to be uh, in the right place at the right time. I, I got my degree and there's been this new thing with the A-10, which I know a lot of our fans will know about it, whether you're a Dayton fan, Rhode Island fan, that ESPN Plus is kind of their way of getting some type of TV deal that there's a paywall involved, but hey, it gets me on air. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing some stuff for football, men's basketball, women's basketball, and uh, that's, that's where I'm at now. I am a graduate now, and actually I'm six months away from my second degree from URI. So a lot has changed since the, the last time we spoke. No, boy. Yeah, we like to hear it, man. Um, it's it's a slow climb for all of us in this media gig, you know. Um, my, my podcast was Modest Beginnings, and now look at us. We're on yeah. ESPN Radio in Dayton, you know. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> so you, you got to start somewhere. but. That's right. um, you know, I, I am uh, supremely jealous of the, the play-by-play because in Dayton, we have Larry Hansgen, and um, you'd have to pry that job from his cold, dead fingers. He's not going anywhere anytime <laughs> soon. He's been on since, uh, I believe he told me, 1986. Wow. So um, that job has not opened up in the time that I've been on this earth, and I do not foresee that changing anytime soon, my man. So uh, count your blessings over yes. in uh, Rhodey Ram Nation. That's right. Um, so to start off today, again, with Stone doing the play-by-play, I figured for Dayton fans, you know, we'd kind of give you a little bit of a, a flavor of what's been going on behind the curtain. Um, and like I said, when we, we started here, Stone, we, we have a, I, I don't want to call it a rivalry, but we have a nice little back and forth that we've had going here now since, um, I don't know what, about 2014, 2015, we played twice a year. Uh, now I'm looking it up. We played twice every year since 2014. I don't know. Is it fair to call Dayton URI a rivalry? Where do you stand on that? I think right now, what I always had an opinion on Dayton and VCU particularly because you know for a while they were the top you know of the conference, and they still obviously last year uh, Dayton was at the top of the conference and the top of the nation. VCU kind of the same thing over the last couple of years. But I, I reflect back to Hurley. Dan Hurley had this big press conference one day where he was looking at the schedule and he pretty much said how the conference isn't doing its job if the top teams in the conference aren't playing each other twice a year. So yeah. the way that I look at it is outside of of geography because UMass Rhode Island are always going to play twice a year. Normally Fordham and Rhode Island would play twice a year, stuff like that. The, the team is really yeah, yeah, they're always going to play twice a year. But if you have a team like Dayton and Rhode Island that geographically aren't close or Rhode Island and St. Louis, Rhode Island and VCU, and you're playing twice a year, you know, that is, that's, that's substantial. So yeah, I think, I think it's fair that there's probably some people that wouldn't call it a rivalry, but I also look at the outcomes of some of these games um, and, and, Sometimes Dayton had no business winning them. Sometimes Rhode Island had no business winning them. And they come out because there's a different buzz to them. There's a different type of feel. Um, that 2018 game at the Ryan Center where Rhode Island blew out Dayton, I was like, wow, this is our conference. And then we quickly got brought back to earth when the next year Dayton came to the Ryan Center. And I think it was OB's freshman year or first year that he was actually
actually on the court and you guys beat us by 20. So that's, you know, I, I think, I think it is a rivalry in that sense that there's a different buzz when these two teams meet. I don't like when the conference schedules us to play on like a Tuesday afternoon, like we had last yep. year, doesn't have the same type of buzz or Tuesday evening than if we played on Friday night on ESPN two or something like that. But yeah, I, I think there's a rivalry here because the teams are more naturally, you know, seems like there's a different vibe when the two teams play and that, that to me would categorize as a rivalry. Well, and to get to get all historical on you, Stone. All right. Sure. So, so when I was in school, um, so this would have been 08 to 2012. <clears throat> that was kind of when um, and rivalries always happen because you have <clears throat> what you you start to, to boil up some hate towards that program. Right. You really want to beat them. Right. And um, Dayton lost seven straight games to Rhode Island from the 2008 season all the way to 2014. And if you recall, I know you've been a lifelong URI fan. Sure. A lot of those were like buzzer beaters. Like yeah. I remember there was an OT game uh, my freshman year, Rhode Island stunk, and they still beat us on a buzzer beater. <laughs> I was in the second row and the guy drilled, I can't remember the guy's name, he drilled it right in front of my face. I mean, I honestly like almost could have touched the guy as he shot this three-pointer. So then I, I remember that they uh, they didn't end up winning against Rhode Island until 2014 when Dayton was getting hot and then eventually made their Elite Eight run. But um, alternatively, I always say that Dayton and St. Louis have had trouble over the last 10 years kind of really getting that rivalry to boil up because you remember St. Louis had their dominance in the conference for a couple of years there. And then after they took a step back, Dayton then had their dominance in the conference, where which we've kind of continued since about 2015, right? So we kind of missed each other. Whereas like <clears throat> with Rhode Island, they had that seven game winning streak. And then those years after that, 2015, 16, 17, those were some of the best games in the A-10 every single year with Hassan Martin, E.C. Matthews. We had Scoochie Smith and Kyle Davis. Every time those teams got together, you knew that there was going to be something on the line. And you were going to get a good game. And um, and I remember specifically um, one of the best ones that, that I can remember is uh, in the 2017 season, <clears throat> both home and away that year. Um, it was like the first or second game to begin the conference. And Dayton pulled out a close one, 67-64. And um, it was one of those games where you could just tell like the guys cared a little bit more. Like they really wanted to beat URI. And I think that, that's what you have to have, right? Like you said, you guys kind of had your year in the sun in 2018 where you rolled over the conference. Everybody's going to get their year sure. in the sun. Um, but that's how they're born, right? Like we kind of had those seven games where like, all right, man, we really need to beat URI. And then once we got back to beating them, then you guys were at the top of the conference with us. So I think that that is really how you get a rivalry started, right? I mean, that, you know, you, you just need a little bit of that history behind it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Also, I did some research as as you were talking here. I think it was Marquise Jones that hit a three pointer. That's with it. Four point yeah, three yeah. seconds left in two thousand ten <laughs> to lift the Rams over Dayton. That must be the game you're talking about. But yeah, no, I I think That's you're right. It. You know, I I look back to and I always butcher the kids' names, so I'm not even going to try it. But it was two thousand fifteen, my freshman year at URI. Dayton was fifteenth in the country. Rhode Island was mediocre because EC Matthews had torn his ACL at the beginning of the year. But That's some right. kid hit a corner three. And it was like a dagger. And then the next year, I'm pretty sure he did the same thing because we had lost. Williams. Yes, yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking of. And we had lost that game. And then the next year, 
same type of situation. I don't know if Dayton was ranked, but Dayton was the top team in the conference. They ended up going to the tournament that year too. And we played you guys. I think it was Archie's last year. And same thing. We needed a win because we were on the bubble. We lost. We bounced back with another loss at Fordham or to Fordham at home. But then we rallied, I think, like nine straight and went to a tournament. But long story short, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And I think that that's kind of where we're at in the conference right now. I also – I think Dayton probably deserves to be at the top of the conference every year. Um, so does the VCU, just the way that, you know, kind of the logistics of college basketball and the history and the whole nine yards. But Rhode Island, these last couple of years, they've at least hung around. You know, I think last year we shot ourselves in the foot the second half of the season. Um, but, you know, these these teams at the top of the conference, I like I said, I keep coming back to that Dan Hurley quote that they, whether it's a rivalry or not, they need to play twice a year and there's a different buzz to it there's a different buzz uh, of playing whether they're nationally ranked or not and then there was a year my freshman year again Andre Berry the big dude went off at Dayton and beat you guys too I think you guys were ranked he went seven to seven from the field the 2016 um, you're talking about yeah yes it was 2015-2016 I gotta look this yeah. one up now. Yeah, you, this guys was, beat us, you guys beat us at UD Arena in 2016 yes. yeah yeah this was a fun at Dayton we won 75-66 there you go. And, yeah, uh, that was the game. Anyway, but yeah, that's that's right. That's, I think you're you're spot on that. There's just a different feel when these two teams meet. Um, and I I look back to the 2017-18 era with URI. I mean, we're still really in that era, but those years where they were at the top of the conference. And there's almost a part of me that goes, "How did we get here?" I mean, some of those VCU Dayton teams were very good. Even Richmond for a while was okay. Um, outside of that, I don't really know. I'd have to go back and do my Atlantic Ten. Oh, St. Bonaventure had some good teams with uh, Jalen Adams. Um, but, yeah, Rhode Island finds himself at the top of the conference, and who's right there with him? It's always VCU, Dayton, and uh, and that's, that's what makes it fun. So I, I always look forward to playing you guys, uh, as difficult as it is. But I, I last year I could have gone without the home loss to you guys. But other than that, <laughs> I, other than that, I, I do enjoy uh, watching Dayton play basketball. Yeah, I, I got to say last year, because um, that game was, was towards the end of the season last yep. year. And, um, you know, Dayton went into the game. I believe uh, we had two left to go. So it was Rhode Island and then it was George Washington. And I was wholly convinced that night, like, this is where Dayton's going to slip up. I was like, there's no way that they're going to roll through the conference. I go, this is the trap game. You know, at Rhode Island, they're going to be hungry and they're just going to come for us. And then Dayton jumped out to like a 17-2 to lead or something like that. And I don't even remember like the second half because we were just like, okay, we are just going to barnstorm URI. Uh, I'm looking at it now. The halftime score was 46-30. to So it was like, it was never close. Um, oh no, it was decided. But, it was decided. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very decisive. Um, and, you know, that was kind of our year in the sun as well, of course. And and here we are. But um, you you brought up a good point to to kind of kick us off tonight. Uh, of course, you know, aside from the rivalry we were just talking about, is that the the health of the program? Because you you made a <clears throat> a comment that I thought was was pretty important of of how did we get here? And and sometimes I ask myself that about Rhode Island too. But um, I think I have the answer, at least in my own head, is that that class of the, the class that ran through uh, the A-10 and, and won it a couple of years ago, you know, E.C. Matthews, when he got healthy with um, Terrell and um, they, they just what well, they just lost to Son Martin, I think. Um, yes. But they, they came back even stronger when 26 and eight. And that was kind of their year. You know, I think those guys really set the tone for the program. And then. I thought it was extremely important that Rhode Island kind of doubled down on their own culture. And for Dayton fans, what I mean by that is when Danny Hurley left to take the UConn job, um, they kept it in-house and they hired David Cox. And 
anybody around the A10 will tell you that the way that you get a, get good and you take steps up in relevance as a college basketball program is that you build your brand and then you keep things in house. And we always reference Xavier because they did it so well. Um, you know, going from like Skip Prosser to Sean Miller to Chris Mack and now Travis Steele, like all those guys knew the culture at Xavier, what was expected at Xavier. And, and I think that you guys kind of have that now. And David Cox is in his third season. But, you know, I think it's safe to say that you guys have kind of reached a certain plateau where it's kind of hard to see Rhode Island returning back to, like, where you guys were when Hurley took over. Do you feel that way, that the program is in, like, good health now moving forward, or better health than it was at least? I think right now you're in this – predicament where and again if if you look all the way back to the last time we had an NCAA winning head coach and that was Jim Harrick in the 90s the University of Rhode Island completely fumbled the the situation and they hired Jerry DiGregorio in an attempt to keep Lamar Odom despite Lamar Odom was going to the league that's all besides the point but Jerry DiGregorio set the program back literally 25 years like they yeah. went from an elite eight run and then winning the A10 tournament with Lamar to winning six games a year. And then Jim Barron comes in, and Jim Barron kept it steady. Hurley came in, obviously, and inherited a, a dumpster fire, just in terms of like academic performance and eligibility and stuff like that. And he yeah. gets it to this level where, forget success, there was like a standard now. Like in, in like his six years here, the final two years, he completely threw any type of expectation out the window and, and exceeded it. David Cox, I think, is the right man for the job because at the end of the day, he is, he is only in year three. But where I think Rhode Island fans can take some solace is that we're at a standard now. Like last year, we won 21 games. Granted, we were probably on the outside of the NCAA tournament because we did not close out the season right. But you find yourself, if the A-10 tournament gets played, you have a double bye. And there were still fans that were like upset that we weren't the two seed. And I was like, yo, we got to look back to what we were even a decade ago, like this, yeah, like like this is this is a good problem to have that you've won 21 games. I get the concern that you're not going to the NCAA tournament because that's all that matters. The NIT does not matter, but like you're at a point where you've won 21 games. You're a top four team in the conference. Not to mention, two of your losses came to, for my money, one of the best Atlantic 10 teams since like this whole realignment stuff when the Big East blew up and teams just started bouncing everywhere. Like mm -hmm. this is, the, it was not a bad problem to have, but that I think might speak to the way that the culture is right now. The culture is the expectation is to still win. The expectation is that you should not be losing. I mean, with or without success, you shouldn't be losing games to Duquesne on the road. I mean, I, I don't know how the hell that happened a couple weeks ago, but like you're still a top team in the conference that, that, you know, I think in terms of, a, I mean, we were talking off air. There are some arenas in this league that I hate to like draw the line there, but I'm looking at going like, is this even college basketball? Like we play, we play at a good, at like a, a pretty sound arena. The Ryan center is a great place to play. Recruiting has been pretty favorous for us lately. So all these things that kind of factor into culture are, are pretty good right now. It's just the standard that Danny Hurley set was to go to the NCAA tournament and to win a game, at least a game in the NCAA tournament that now you find yourself with 21 wins, but, a bad taste in your mouth because you lose to St. Louis at home, you lose to Dayton at home, and now you've completely, you know, blown away a couple of big opportunities. I get why that can get frustrating, but yeah, I think I think Rhode Island's in better shape than some people, um, including some of our own fans, would would probably give us credit for. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree with that. And, um, you know, for fans that haven't been to the Ryan Center, you're right. I mean, it's it's a perfect place for college basketball, number one. But number two, it's a perfect arena for the level that we're on. I mean, yes. you know, d- take it from me. I don't expect every program in this conference to have, you know, a building like we do in Dayton. You know, our building, we had the foresight to build it 50 years ago before building college basketball arenas on taxpayer funds was fashionable. Um, And, you know, we, you know, got so far ahead of that movement that a lot of UD's arena didn't have to come from taxpayer funds. And nowadays it's almost impossible to build an arena without it. Um, But, you know, again, I don't expect people to have those kinds of buildings in the conference. Like I don't expect LaSalle to build a 20,000 seat stadium or anything like that. It's just, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because Duquesne just did a, a huge renovation of their arena in Pittsburgh. And um, I think they made it like four or 5,000 people. And, and that's perfect. Like That's all you need. Yeah. Just build a nice facility, four or 5,000 people. And I mean, you're going to fit in perfectly in the A-10, but you're right. Um you know, continuing to do these trips to LaSalle and Fordham. Number one, you know, it's great fodder for the podcast. But additionally, um, I just get really tired of it all because, you know, you saw it this year. Dayton took losses to LaSalle and Fordham, and they're inexcusable losses. They're one possession losses. And if they didn't take those losses, we'd be right in the middle of the at-large discussion. Now, of course, it's our own fault we lost those games. But you know the point I'm getting to. We're killing ourselves as a conference because you have to play these games every year. And they're a no-sum game. If you lose them, you're screwed. And if you win them, so what? On to the next game. So, you know, that's why I've said for a couple of years now that I wish the conference would do a little bit more soul-searching and, and honestly, just get a little bit more aggressive about saying, hey, we want to take the best of the best. And, you know, we love the schools in our conference, but, you know, you're probably better served in greener pastures. I know that the A-10 is not going to kick out any programs. I get it. I know that Fordham's been dominant in women's basketball and other sports. I get it. But this conference is about men's basketball. Let's call it what it is. That's the moneymaker. That's what brings people in. That's what gets people paying attention to the A-10 on a national level. And as long as you have teams like LaSalle and Fordham with bad facilities, you know, no, not that much support in um, bad programs. I mean, it's going to continue to weigh the conference down. And that's kind of my concern with the health long term. And that's why I brought up the fact that you know I've been so impressed with what Rhode Island's done. So impressed with how they've been able to like double down on the brand when Hurley left, because this is what an A-10 program should look like year in, year out. If you're not competing for the A-10 title, you should at least be competitive enough that you're not going to take like a Q4 loss if you lose to Rhode Island, right? I mean, that is important as anything else. Yeah, and I think I think the one thing that you mentioned in that too is, is you know, this idea of facilities and whatnot. There's a lot of stuff that, that Rhode Island has to do better. I know right now they're in this, this process of getting the practice facility built and everything. And I look at it and I say, if the practice facility does get built, or I should say when it gets built, because they have the whole plan figured out, they just need the fundraising and the donors. And, you know, I would assume after the pandemic, hopefully that goes back to, you know, the top of the conversation. But I look at how the good teams in the conference, it's its no surprise. They have the practice facility. They have something flashy that they can show, right? And that's what ends up happening is, is you, you've created such a divide where 
you know, the bottom half shouldn't be beating the top half necessarily. Um, but I even look at like UMass. I think UMass got a pretty good thing going for them right now. I mean, they got a yeah. practice facility. They got an arena. The arena is a little too big, but they got to fit hockey in there. But like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff in this conference that that is that that's that's worth noting. That's I think what the A10 is going to do for the for the A10 tournament is going to be pretty cool. I mean, I think those two, uh, VCU and Richmond, are. I mean, obviously they're close to the league office in, in Virginia. The two of them are right next door to one another. You play them there. They're two of the better arenas in the conference. Like that, that stuff is stuff that you want to show off. I just get concerned with, with, you know, I think Rothstein can be kind of, you know, you see him on Twitter all the time. It's a little repetitive, but like his idea that like the A10 is cannibalizing, I think that's outside of play too. I think that, that, that there's just so much in this conference that you wanted to get. When I say a step forward, it doesn't mean six teams will ever go back to the tournament. What year was that? 2012, I think six teams went to the NCAA tournament. 2014. Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably a long shot right now. But like you look at a year this year, you know, I I thought there would be a lot better. I thought the conference would look a lot better. I think Richmond has fallen off. I think VCU is is pretty sound, but they I look at Rhode Island, they're two they got two wins over St. Bonaventure VCU at the top of the conference, and then in the same breath have lost to Duquesne on the road and who else did they lose to? I keep coming back to the Duquesne game, but there's another bad one in there. Not really bad, but Davidson at home. But long story short, there's so much. The conference right now, in order for it to take an extra step forward, I don't really know what it has to do. I'll never pretend like I know what it has to do. But it just gets kind of frustrating that that it gets to the point where where you're kind of, I don't know, scrambling. Like I feel like somebody every year always has like, well, there's that one loss to well, we've had Rhode Island had it. That loss to Fordham, in, like I already talked about, in 2017 was like the nail in the coffin. If we didn't win the – the conference tournament that year or go on that crazy run, I don't think we go to the NCAA tournament. So it's just, that's where it gets frustrating as a fan, right? Where, where you're just looking at it like, wow, how could we have avoided this? And I think it's impossible to avoid at this point. Yep. Yep. And um, <clears throat> you are preaching to the choir, my man, because you got a bunch of Dayton listeners right now that had to stomach losses to LaSalle and Fordham. Mm-hmm. If we had just lost one or the other, the Flyers would probably be able to overcome it. But, you know, they're not going to be able to overcome both. And it like it, it almost like hurts people to hear that, that your season, your at large bid hopes are going to be cooked in mid-January. But like that's the reality of the A-10 that we're in. You, you just can't afford to lose these games. And I think it had been a couple of years since we had lost like a real true stinker that sure. people just kind of forgot what it's like to be. <clears throat> let me let me rephrase. It's been a couple of years since we were in the at-large discussion when we lost a true stinker. And I think people kind of forgot how detrimental it can be to play those bottom feeder A-10 teams when you are in the thick of it. Um, Shifting gears, we're talking to Stone Freeman, play-by-play man uh, for the URI Rams game coming up here on Saturday. Uh, We're going to get into a little bit of trivia. And before we do, Stone, I have to remind my listeners that trivia is brought to you by our friends at Sherholtz Printing. You know Sherholtz Printing, talked about them before, locally owned and operated business right out of Kettering. Um, They serve Dayton, Kettering, the entire Miami Valley. You can get in touch with them by going to SherholtzPrinting.com. That's S-C-H-U-E-R-H-O-L-Z Printing.com. They do design and pre-press. They do offset and digital printing. They do binder and fulfillment. They even do promotional products. If you need apparel for businesses, schools, and events, Sherholtz Printing are your locally owned and operated business that can take care of it for you. SherholtzPrinting.com is bringing you trivia, which starts right now. Hit the music. Stone, before we got on, I mentioned to you that I was going to go digging for a little bit of a trivia fun fact for our matchup on Saturday. And what I found was that this is going to be the 38th meeting between the two teams um, since Dayton joined the A-10. And I found out 
that I think I forgot this over the years, but Dayton and URI had never met prior to Dayton joining the A-10. And uh, for those of you that may not know, uh, URI is one of the early, early members of the A-10. They've been in the conference since uh, 1982. And uh, I believe they were like one of the founding members or maybe the second class members in the A-10. Anyway, so the teams have met. The first meeting was in 1996. Saturday will be their 38th meeting. My question to you, Stone, is out of the 37 times they have played already, 37 times, how many times have the URI Rams bested the Dayton Flyers? If I had to guess, I would guess Dayton has more wins than URI. You'd be correct. I'll give you that hint. And once you gave me that a little bit, I'll use the test to take the test for that way. You told me earlier that there was a stretch of seven times where Rhode Island had beat Dayton. I never knew it was that high. So it's probably a little bit closer than I would have thought. But I'll say 15 times. Pretty close, 17. Ah, uh, okay. All right. 2017 edge for the Flyers right now. Um, that we, you guys were up in that in that battle for a while, and then the last couple of years, Dayton's been able to rattle off some wins. It was a pretty tight series. You yeah, know? yeah, very, very. That pretty might tight. contribute to the right to the rivalry argument too. If it's that that's close what I'm series. saying. Yeah. See, it's all coming yeah. full circle for you now. I have that's a purpose. Right. Everything I do on this radio show. So. <laughs> Um, all right, man. So let, let's get under the hood. Uh, game coming up on Saturday, uh, four o'clock tip. Um, I believe we're on national TV on Saturday, right? I would think so. I would assume that's not yes. It's it, hold on, I'm gonna look it up. I yeah, go ahead, take a look at it. I'll give the people something they need to know. So, uh, Rhode Island is coming into this game with a nine and eight mark. They've played the most games of anybody in the conference, and that is simply due to the fact that they uh, loaded their schedule to begin the year at that uh, Bubbleville tournament. Uh, people might remember there was a bunch of teams that went into Connecticut into the Mohegan Sun, and then a lot of teams just stuck around and then played other teams that happened to be there at the time and that everybody had tested negative. And it was quite um, a forward-thinking idea by college basketball to just get everybody in one place, just play as many games as you can. And um, and Rhode Island came out of that okay. They were 2-2. Two and two. They lost a, a couple close games to Arizona State and Boston College, and then they beat uh, Brian Gregory's South Florida Bulls as well as San Francisco before coming home and beating Seton Hall, which was their best win of the year. That was a 76 63 final. So where we sit today uh, on the scouting port with the Rams is that they're one and two in their quadrant one games. Um, They have no really terrible losses. They have a few in the quadrant three. I mean, terrible losses because Dayton's taken a couple in quadrant four. Uh, But where the Rams kind of find themselves right now is, you know, squarely in NIT land. They're 72 in the net. 65th in Ken Palm. Um, they're kind of hovering right around where Dayton is right now. Um, they're going to have to win games in the A-10 tournament to get to the big dance. But more than likely, uh, both of the programs here are probably headed to the NIT unless some magic happens in that A-10 tournament. So with all that said, Stone, what can you tell us about your URI Rams? First off, the game is on CBS Sports Network. So there that's you go. Where I need to find that. Tip. Yep. Um, I think this year for URI, there's been two storylines. And, and one is that transfer turnover. Um, there, there's been so many people. It's been like a revolving door in Kingston, it seems. A lot of guys leaving, but a hell of a lot of guys coming in. I mean, you look at the starting five this year, and outside of Fats Russell, largely every player has been a transfer. Jalen Carey had seen some time early on in the starting five. He's kind of found his way deeper on the bench, but he was this guy from Syracuse, had a big name to him, a big program to him, 
Then there's the Mitchell twins. One is out for the year, so you're not going to see any of Makai, but you'll see Mikel, who's playing at an all-conference level right now. Malik Martin, who's a Sam Martin's brother, is a transfer from Charlotte. Jeremy Shepard and Antoine Walker were both with the team last year, but transfers from East Carolina and Georgetown. I mean, transfers are the way of the game right now for URI. It was a way, honestly, I say it kind of sarcastically, but it is the truth. I don't know if they would have been able to field the team without the transfer market this year and without waivers going in. I mean, that's just the way it's been the last couple of years. Jacob Toppin leaving, Makai Long leaving. There's probably other players I'm, I'm forgetting. And also – There was a lot of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then also in the in the mix of all these transfers, you did lose two all-time – I'll go out on a limb here and say all-time greats. They played on two NCAA tournament teams in Surreal Langevin and Jeff Dowling. These are two yep. seniors last year that, again, I think have gotten forgotten because there's been so much roster turnover other uh, other places. But that's been the big thing. I would not be surprised, and I'm not you know saying that Dayton fans don't know what they're talking about. I'm just saying because – I don't even know half the players that are coming into the game sometimes. You're going to see a lot of these team players going, who is this? There's Alan Beatrand. I forgot all about him. He's from Towson. He didn't get his waiver until, I think, December. So he's playing this year. It's just a new-look team. There's a lot of good to it. When they play well, they play well. Um, when they don't play well, it's because they're turning the ball over. And that's the second storyline. If Rhode Island turns the ball over, it's almost a shoe in that they're that they're going to lose the game. I think that's the normal thing in college basketball. But Jalen Carey, that's why he's found himself deeper on the bench. He turns the ball over too much. Sometimes it's a matter of Fats Russell. I think last year and the two years prior to that, he had Jeff Downton with him, and that kind of allowed him to have a different role. There, there. Jeff Downton did not turn the ball over a lot, and it freed up some pressure from Fats Russell. He wasn't the premier ball handler, so he wasn't turning the ball over a lot. That narrative has kind of changed a bit. Fats hasn't been. Fats Russell this year. Uh, so that's a different thing too. But yeah, I think if, if you haven't seen Rhode Island play yet this year, there's this thing that me and my buddies keep talking about. They could beat a team by 20 and we're not surprised, or they could lose even though they're up 15 at a hat at the half. And that wouldn't surprise me either. It's inconsistency. Um, and their quote unquote depth could also be mistaken sometimes for just their starters aren't playing um, the best minutes. And that's another thing that can hurt basketball teams. So I think it's just inconsistency right now. But when they're on, they're on. If they are shooting, like Jeremy Shepard last night against LaSalle, I think was five of five from three. And that allows Fats Russell, if he's going to, you know, even though he was in Philadelphia, I thought he would have played a little bit better, but he played all right. But if he's only going to have a, a 12 point performance as your premier scorer, if you got your second guard scoring 20 something points, you're going to be all right. So there is depth there. I just don't know if sometimes the depth gets misled for, uh, for their starters not playing their best minutes. All right, so let me recap for for the Dayton listeners. So uh, their depth is inexperienced, and they come into the game when the starters aren't playing their best minutes, but URI would would rather just roll with their starters, okay? Uh, They turn the ball over a ton. They can beat anyone in the conference but can lose to anyone in the conference. And uh, let's see, what was the last thing you said? Oh, yeah. Uh, If they're shooting well, living and dying by the three, if they're hitting their threes, they can beat anybody. Stone, I got to tell you something, buddy. You just described the Dayton Flyers (laughs) to the T, to the T. (laughs) I let you go and and let you have all that because I was like, all right. I said, eventually he's going to get to a point that doesn't describe Dayton. And you never did. Um, I mean, you you guys kind of have the same... I, I mean, I hate to say it, but like these teams are just so painfully identical. Um, you got Fats Russell who carries the load. If he's your top scorer, you have a really good chance to win. Same thing with Jalen Crutcher. If Dayton wins a turnover battle, they're going to win the game. If they're going to keep their turnover numbers under like 12, they're probably going to win. Um, 
they could beat anybody in the A10. You just showed it. They beat St. Louis. Now I, I get that they took a month off, um, and then they lost to LaSalle and Fordham. It's 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 hilarious how similar these teams are. I would say really the only difference is that. Rhode Island on paper is is playing a little bit better defense. Uh, their defense right now in Ken Palm is ranked 32nd. And then the other thing that, that jumped off the page to me is uh, Rhode Island's extremely effective at getting to the line. Uh, there's only nine teams in the country that are taking more free throws um, than, than Rhode Island comparative to how many shots they take from the field. So those are two things that, that stood out off the page to me. Um, but I, I did want to get your perspective on the beginning of the year, um, and that, that tournament in Connecticut, you know, do you think that, that, that was, uh, that that helped the team more than it hurt the team? I mean, you came out of that two and two and, and kind of once URI came out of that tournament, I said this and, um, my, my favorite URI fan on Twitter, Liana, she got really mad at me for this, but I said, URI looks like an NIT team. Cause I watched them against Arizona state. And then I watched them beat South Florida and I watched them beat San Francisco. And I was like, I wasn't dumping on them because just like you said, they lost so much. And I remember they lost seven guys and we were midway through the off season and me and my buddies were sitting around. We go, is URI even going to field a team? Like what is going to happen there? And so I've almost been impressed by how much David Cox has been able to turn it around. And I wasn't dumping on them at all. I was simply saying, I'm looking at this team right now, and I know what a win some, lose some team looks like, and and that's Rhode Island, right? So, you know that Connecticut tournament. Do you think that 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 was the best thing for URI to do, or, or is we kind of just chalk it up to that's what they had to do in this season? I think it's a mix of both. I think that that especially getting into that 2K Classic with Arizona State, a chance to play Villanova. I know it would have been a pipe dream to get a shot at Villanova, but that's you still get. Yeah, that's it. But I mean, you're there, right? And and I also look at again, and this is probably just the the true Rhode Island fan to me. But the expo, we very rarely are we seeing Rhode Island on ESPN. Forget ESPN two or ESPN plus, like like ESPN against Arizona State against Boston College. I think they're two games you probably want back, considering the way that Arizona State and Boston College have played since. They're both mm. definitely on the outside of almost every postseason right now. I mean, Arizona State has really fallen off. Boston College, I didn't think was going to be good to begin with. Um, so I, I think it was a matter of, yeah, you had to kind of do it right to, to assure yourself some games. Um, but I look at a stretch in the schedule later on when they, I mean, obviously they get the Seton Hall win, but then they play Wisconsin, Western Kentucky before a 10 play. And I look at it and I go, okay, it was cool. It was fun. It was great to, to kind of have those games in the bag, but the downside to it, and this is outside of a COVID year, any type of year, if you don't, you can stock up your non-conference slate. If you don't win the games, it works against you, even yep. though they're road games where it's not going to exactly drastically change where you are in a lot of metrics. It's certainly not going to help you. Um, so they haven't really had necessarily a bad game. Like I liked the way that they put together their schedule. I think it was deep. It was fun. It was interesting. But this is the negative side to it. If you don't win some of these games, you're you're crawling um you're trying to get to the top and then that has allowed them you know this stretch here in atlantic 10 play where they're you know i think at richmond isn't necessarily a bad loss at umass isn't a terrible loss but they're wins that you want back right and and yep. it's it, it is it has crippled them to a certain degree now the overwhelming positive though is just like you alluded to they got to play games this year i mean i don't know how many teams right now are at a point where they're going to play more than 25 games and it sure looks like rhode island's going to play more than that, including the A-10 tournament, obviously. So there's still plenty of season left to go. Um, but you're right. It, it puts them in a difficult spot where 
unless something crazy happens, which it could happen because I think they're good enough to be any team in the conference. Um, mm-hmm. But, but you know, I re- reflect back to their St. Bonaventure uh, win because it was at home. They were coming off a losing streak, if I remember correctly. Um, and I was nervous about it. I thought St. Bonaventure was good. Yeah, they had lost their last three games. They hadn't lost four games, I think, since Dave's first year, in which was 2018-19. But anyway, they hadn't lost in almost a year and a half, four games straight. And they came to that game. They turned the ball over 25 times, Oof. and they still won by six. So that gave me a little bit of a better feeling. I was like, all right, this is pretty good. So there, like I said, inconsistency has been the storyline for this team. And I think it pops up in their schedule too. They'll, they'll piece together a couple wins, but they got to start stacking them. And that's why this game against Dayton, I think, is important for both sides because you've got to be able to stack wins at this point in the schedule. And a road win is a road win. Dayton, you're not going to get – I'm looking at the rest of their schedule. They play at St. Oh. Louis, at Davidson. I mean, there's this is a tough stretch coming up. VCU at home, this it ain't going to be easy. Dayton at home again. So yep. you got to continue to feed off of this momentum. You've won two straight. Um, when I say convincing, they made it look a lot better in the last five minutes of each game against Fordham and LaSalle. But you got to stack wins. You beat them. I, I mean, yeah. we didn't. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. A win is a win at this point, right? But, but I think for both teams, I look at Dayton and Rhode Island, I say these – it's a must win for each team just because you want you, you can't lose them. If you want to get, you know, seeding in the A10 tournament or at least try to keep morale up in what has been a tough season for everybody, these are they don't get much closer in metrics and in storylines. So so for their sake, for both teams sake, this this is I feel like it's a must. I think every game's a must win because I'm that type of guy, but like yeah. This is a, a, a must-win game for both the Flyers and the Rams, and they usually tend to be pretty good when that's on the line for both teams. Yeah, no doubt. That's kind of been the, the, the tone of uh, the conversation today. Um, yeah, you know, you <clears throat> you tend to say things a little bit more articulately than I do because I beat the drum in, in the Dayton fan base quite often. Um, but the one thing that, that you did say was about the non-con schedule because we – we talk about it at nauseum in Dayton. You know, why can't we get bigger di- games in UD Arena? Why can't we play bigger names? Why won't we go on the road and play big teams? And and you said it. It's it's a it's a very delicate balancing act because yeah. <clears throat> you guys had the the tournament in um in Connecticut, and then for the listeners, they came home and they played Seton Hall. Then they went on the road to Wisconsin. They went on the road to a very good uh, Western Kentucky team that's that's trying to be in the tournament right now. Um, and then A10 play started. Well, by the time A10 play started, yeah, they played nothing but great games, but they were three and four. That that that, that helps nobody. And so I keep telling people, it's like, yeah, we want to play great games, but what I am very confident in our administration at UD is that they are going to delicately put together a schedule that UD has a chance to come out like ten and two in a normal year, of course. Um, and, and this is the reason, like this little sample set we're looking at right now with URI is the exact reason, because, you know, if you go out and play nothing but top 100 games, great. But if you're three and four, it don't mean diddly. You know, it it, it basically is just like, OK, well, this team is going to win some, lose some against the top 100. And you don't want to expose yourself before January either. It's like you have to at least give yourself a shot uh, to be relevant and, and to play your way in in the A-10. But Coming down the stretch, um, I'm definitely feeling for you guys. You got going to Dayton, then home to VCU, home to UMass, who URI always struggles with. Um, Then it's on the road to St. Louis, on the road to Davidson, back home to play the Flyers, and then the only game that really is a is like a a game you should win um, is the the away game at St. Joe's to end the year. So, uh, man, you couldn't really ask for a tougher schedule 
down the stretch here for uh, for URI. But um, you know, as we wrap up here, you know, what what is the expectation for you, and, and kind of what are you looking for moving down the stretch here for for URI, man? I'm looking at it if 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 you look at the schedule um, and you take in the bigger fact that that there's no fans allowed pretty much anywhere or very minimal, right? I mean, yeah. you, it is a tough stretch. But I think if if URI's argument, or not argument, but if URI's feeling this year has been we needed some time to get these guys chemistry and to get put together, this is where you have to prove that that was legit. That that Because at the end of the day, we've played now, whatever, nine and eight, it's 17 games, that that shouldn't be the excuse anymore. But now they've won back-to-back games, and they've, and they've closed out games, they've closed out halves, and that's usually where you can find pretty good college basketball teams. So this next two games, Dayton, VCU, even UMass, and then St. Louis, I mean, it's tough. It's a, it's a grueling stretch. Then Dayton on, uh, Davidson on the road, Dayton at home, like we just talked about. But this is where the, the, you know, the real teams get separated from the ones that are kind of fake. So if they yep. want to, in, in, and I look at where the A-10 tournament's going to be this year, and it's going to be minimal fans, if any. I don't know how the conference is going to handle that, but seeding is going to be more important than ever because now you just want to guarantee that, that you're playing an easier game on Friday. You're probably not, or you're getting to Friday without having to play on Thursday or Wednesday, which I don't think Rhode Island will play on Wednesday by any stretch, but mm-hmm. Thursday's certainly in the possibility right now. You want to avoid those Thursday games you want to play on Friday and you want your Friday game to be the one where you're probably the favorite so then you can kind of focus you know on Saturday seating is big this year because there's no fans and because anything can happen especially when you're playing it's like it's like LA fitness in there when when you're playing in a gym like that like it's 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 different (laughs) it's it's been like that all season but it's it's got a different feel to it so that's where I think you know, Rhode Island and for Dayton, that, that matter, it's the same thing. Right now, you're fighting for seeding. I think both of them are, are you know, I, I love Anthony Grant. I like David Cox. I think both of them are doing really good jobs. So I'm not worried necessarily about how they finish this stretch. I just think that they, both of these teams, if you want to be considered a favorite this year, not necessarily a, a favorite in the conference, but like a favorite this year to win the A-10 tournament, because that's probably what you need to do. You got to start stacking wins here right now, and Dayton has done that with their with the win over St. Louis. Rhode Island's won each of their last two, so you got to start stacking and, and playing with uh, with your seating and whatnot. But I think the expectation right now for Rhode Island should be a top four finish. I really do. You get another crack at UMass, you get to sweep VCU because now you get them at home. These are wins you got to get. You get another crack at Davidson on the road. You've seen them once. You you, you got to learn from your mistakes, and now you have to win these games. So I'm looking at their schedule. I'm saying it's tough, but they're winnable, and if they want me to, 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 or rather, the conference to view them as legit contenders, come that second week of uh, of March, you got to start winning, and you got to win now. Yep, yep, absolutely. And um, we we get to obviously talk about the news since it's very fresh. But the A10 conference announced just yesterday. Uh, we're recording on Thursday, January twenty eighth, uh, that uh, the conference tournament will be in Richmond between uh, the Siegel Center downtown in Richmond at VCU and uh, about eight miles away at U- uh, University of Richmond campus at the Robbins Center. So really excited about that. I'm going to try my best to get down there. Um, but we, you know, we talked about kind of when the teams are at their best and when they're at their worst. But, um, you know, Stone, how does, uh, how does URI come out with a win on Saturday? Point blank. I think URI comes out with a win on Saturday on, based on how they're um, 
backcourt plays. I think if 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 they, I'm sorry, frontcourt plays. If Fats Russell come is Fats Russell, they usually will win almost every game. He does a great job of of kind of stretching the floor um, when he's playing well. When he's not playing well and he's taking bad shots, it can really shoot Rhode Island in the foot. But the way that Jeremy Shepard has started to develop here as a really legit second you know, type of threat scorer. He can shoot the three ball well. He can get to the bucket. If the two of them are are the best players on the court, they're going to win this game. Um, but they have to, and again, I've beaten, every podcast I've gone, I've said the same thing. If they turn the ball, because there's turnovers in basketball, and then there's the way Rhode Island has turned the ball over. Unforced errors, right? Oh my, yeah, there's like, they're That's dribbling awesome. up and it's kicked off the foot. And it's like, you can't, oh we cannot do We've this. So many of those. Oh, it's so frustrating. So if they, if they can limit the turnovers, um, and their and their backcourt is playing pretty well. Uh, I keep saying backcourt. I'm getting confused. Their guards, if their guards are playing guards, well, yeah, and they and they yeah. don't turn the ball over, they will play. And normally they'll win these games. And that's outside of Dayton. That's almost any game that they play. If those two things are clicking, because I'm telling you, Mikel Mitchell, you guys haven't seen him yet because he's the transfer from Maryland. But he right now is playing at an all conference level. He needed some time to kind of fit in to find his role. Um, but but against you that week against UMass and then. I think it was we won the next game. Was it George Mason? Maybe yeah. He he's averaging like a double double. He's he's very sound. So the interior I haven't been too overly concerned about. It's their guards and their ability to kind of stretch the floor a little bit and and make it a little bit easier for everybody else once uh, they limit turnovers. For sure. Um, before I get to final thoughts, um, you know how it goes. Every every guest on my show gets final thoughts, but um, <laughs> I had to put some perspective around the thing you mentioned, unforced errors. So the turnover number for URI is uh, they're turning the ball over 21% of their possessions. That's good for 267. They're making unforced errors 11% of their possessions. That's 235 in the country. Okay, put a, put a pin in that, all right? 267 and 235, all right? Dayton is turning the ball over on almost 22% of their possessions. That's good enough for 291 in the country. And they are making unforced errors 14% of the time. That's good enough for 340 in the country. And I believe there is only six teams that are turning the ball over in the entire country on unforced errors more than the Dayton Flyers. There's seven. I just looked. So, um, you know, that's what I'm going to say, man. Whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win the game. Just, right, just yeah. point blank. I, yeah. I just don't, you know, there's a lot of factors to the game, you know, is Dayton hot shooting the three, whatever uh, they're going to end up getting buckets. Like I think both of these teams are going to score 60. So to me, it comes down to what, like four or five different possessions. And those four or five different possessions are going to be dictated on who turns the ball over. I mean, it's, it's really that simple for me. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the turnover. Uh, I didn't I, see. Is that from Ken Palm? All that? Yeah, yeah, it is. See, I don't have the Ken Palm membership. I just kind of look at the rankings. But that, I mean, that that's telling. One thing you mentioned though earlier, though, the defense for URI defense has been pretty good. I think they're what like a top thirty team defensively 32. or top yeah, 32. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're not they're not horrible defensively. My problem with that is I feel like they got to embrace that more. Like that's the one difference I saw between really good. Dan Hurley teams and now was like Hurley teams would win a game like 53 to 43 and Dan Hurley would be like amped like like we'd be yeah. old Dominion we'd be oh. old Dominion one year like 53 <laughs> to 43 and Mark Dundara was this reporter channel 12 he asked Hurley you know how does a team like Rhode Island essentially score 53 points against old Dominion and Hurley in his very like undertone like sarcastic type of way was like oh, I don't know about you but we played the best defensive game in the country today like that like defense you have to be able to to embrace 
a rock fight. And some teams yeah. do it really well. And I think I think that's like Virginia basketball is not that I'm comparing Rhode Island to Virginia, but like that was like the best example for a while was like Tony Bennett's teams would put up like 47 points, but they'd hold the team to like 39 or something bizarre. And it was like, yeah, we got the win. We only won by eight. We only scored 47 points, but we grinded them out. When Rhode Island embraces that, they're they're pretty hard to beat. They're pretty hard to beat. So yeah. that's another thing I would say too. If if they can kind of embrace that defensive side to them a little bit more, because Fats Russell's a, I think there's a lot of good defenders in the Atlantic Ten, especially guards. Um, but no, Fats no. Russell is. You can turn the ball over as much as you want, but if you're defending it the way that Fats Russell does, I think I think I'm pretty okay with that too. Yeah, and uh, th- this is obviously basketball discussion for diehards. But you know, typically when you see like a top forty defense like URI, um, they're going to play like a slow tempo. And URI yeah. is kind of the opposite this year, where I think yeah. that where I want Dayton to speed the ball up and take every open look that you have, just shoot, shoot, shoot. If they shot fifty threes a game, I wouldn't care at all. You are, URI kind of seems like the opposite, where they play such good defense and they play fast. And I'm like, if you guys slowed the game down you probably have a better chance at winning because then you're you're just picking your spots a little bit more. And I mean, it seems like URI has been pretty effective holding teams under 70, like for the most part. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's kind of where the opposites come in, where it seems like URI would be best suited by slowing it down. And it seems like the Flyers would be best suited kind of going the other way and, and speeding things up. Um, so w- with our time constraints, there's no time constraints. I just try to, to make us uh, under an hour for my listener's okay. sake. Um, but, uh, you know, final thoughts for the evening stone. Always great to have you on, buddy, talking about uh, URI and, and playing UD. We get to do it twice a year. So uh, it, it was great to talk hoops with you this morning. Yeah, I, I had a blast. I, I love talking. Um, I love watching Dayton. I really do. I love watching Dayton basketball. I try to find them as much as possible. Uh, one thing I will say, and this is something that I was hopefully to get your thought process on. Totally um, I love doing games on ESPN Plus. I will never say I don't. Like that is how I'm getting airtime right now. I love it. But was there like a side to you that had to have been pretty irate that you get college game day last year? And the game tips off on ESPN Plus. Right? Was that the game? <laughs> yeah. We played George Washington. Yeah, yeah, that's gone. I kept yeah. thinking about that. I was like, oh, and wasn't the women's the women's uh, A ten tournament was in Dayton, right? So you guys had to play. You had college game day in the old gym, or am I making that up? Yeah, yeah. So we had it in. Um, well, yeah, it was like our old uh, center. It's called the Frerich Center. Gotcha. Um, but it's it's basically just our volleyball arena. So it used to be the old basketball arena, like in the fifties. It was called the yep. Field House. Um, but now it's just a volleyball arena. So, yeah, you're right. Um, I remember when they announced game day. And if if you are I listeners are listening to this, I'll take you behind the curtain a little bit because people give me crap all the time for like being Mister Grumpy. Like, why you have to be so grumpy about everything? But I I remember when they announced it, I was like why like why is game day coming to Dayton and and again I was pumped that they were it was like oh great we get the screen time but there were like five games that were way more relevant in the A-10 season and I don't know the the diehard Dayton fan in me was kind of just like hey you guys weren't with us before like f off you know what I mean I was kind of just like you guys weren't here with us two months ago like don't jump on the bandwagon now but again you can't be like that because any publicity for the program is obviously going to be great. And, and it was a great time. But, um, you know, going back to that day, I didn't even watch college game day because I had other stuff going on that day. I was going to my cousin's lacrosse game over at Notre Dame. Um, you know, I tried to catch it like on the drive there. But, yeah, it was such a bizarre 
thing because they you could very much tell that they didn't really have any other options and they knew that Dayton was one of the best teams in the country and they're like all right let's try to get their fans in front of the camera and it was such a great day for the program but my god man you, you're you're spot on it was such like a hollow thing where it's like you guys came to see us like beat the doors off of GW like yeah. is this the best representation of the conference that we can give you know it, it, it was it's kind of one of those things that just felt forced to me right yeah, that was there was something else that oh that Jay Billis did the ninety feet walk or whatever, but he had to like do a square around the because it was the volleyball court. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Instead of yeah, walking yeah. like straight with Obi, I remember seeing him do like a, like he was walking around the outskirts of the volleyball court, and I was like, yeah. well, this is like I I would I mean listen, I want to be like Jay Billis and Reese Davis and all those guys. So like it would have been sick to see, but I remember thinking I was like, wow, these people have waited this long for it, and and because I kept thinking like I love Keeney Gym, which is our equivalent to kind of what you describe at Dayton. I love Keeney. Yeah. Gym, but that is the volleyball team's home now, and it, and it really hasn't been touched or maintained probably since the 90s before the Ryan Center was built. And I was like, that would be our luck too, as Rhode Island fans. Like, we would get a game day, and we'd be like, oh, yeah, we have a prior commitment that has to be done in the Ryan Center, so we're going to do it in Keeney, and it would just not, it would just not be the same. And I just thought to myself, if that was at Rhode Island, and they were like, hey, everybody get gassed up for, for game day, and then you can turn over to ESPN Plus for Stone Freeman on the call of the game, I, w- I would probably be let down as a fan. I'd want like a like a like a big time Sean McDonough type of vibe to the game rather than Stone Freeman. But that's I thought that was I had to get your opinions on that because I've been thinking about that. Yeah, you know, I guess in that sense, we got kind of lucky because, um, you know, if they did it five years ago, it would have been a whole other issue. But uh, Dayton, you know, we were thankful enough that they renovated uh, the Frerich Center to, you know, be a, you know, basically a. Uh, you know, an A1, a, a, you know, a high-class volleyball center. So, um, you know, and now it's, of course, an arena that is specifically for volleyball. And and uh, as a result, we have one of the best volleyball programs in the A10 and have for, for a number of years. Um, so, you know, you got my story now. It, it, was a, it was a hollow night looking back, but a fun one nonetheless where Dayton got a little bit of national pub. So, you know, it's hard to complain off of something like that. Uh, that brings us to the end, Stone. Always great to have you, buddy. But uh, you know the rules. I, I guess we got off on a tangent on the, the whole volleyball thing, but there's still time for final thoughts. So what do you have for us? My final thoughts, uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me. I love uh, coming on A10, anything A10 hoops, because I find myself, I said the same thing when I talked to uh, to a UMass podcast earlier this year, um, that I feel like there's a constant, and I don't know if you guys can feel the same, so I won't speak for Dayton fans, but I'll speak for Rhode Island fans. There's this constant pressure, especially in our state, but I think in college basketball, that mid-majors, um, and you can describe a mid-major as you want, I say Rhode Island is a mid-major, but for our sake, there's always this sense of like, I got to defend myself when, why I care about Rhode Island basketball. There's always somebody like, you really, you really got to be home for URI for a four o'clock tip. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what I have to do. Or like if I'm, if I'm at the gym and I have like the game on my phone on the radio and people are like, why you have to listen to that right now? It's like, well, that's, if, if it was Duke, nobody would question me, but for some reason there's an undertone. So my final thought is when people invite me on to talk any type of thing in the Atlantic 10, not only will I accept because I like to talk, but I think it's I think it's cool. It tell it shows people that like you don't have to just care about a blue blood or a power five. You can be passionate about all these fan bases. And I think that we can hate each other, we can not like one another, but there is that inner vibe that because my roommate that I live with has been my best friend for years, he's a Syracuse alum. And I get to listen to him every time he watches a game. Like, oh, you gotta really watch you or I tonight. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. If Syracuse is playing Pitt, I mean, Pitt's been pretty good this year, so that's bad. Syracuse Wake Forest comes on. You're going to make me sit there and watch that in the living room, but now URI plays Dayton, and it's a problem. So 
anyway, that's my final thought. I love talking A10 hoops just because of that reason. It shows that there are people out there that are like me that care about these programs that somehow always need to be defended. So, and I have a lot of respect for for Dayton fans because as crazy as it is, I remember when I went to Dayton two or three years ago when I went my senior year at URI. Me and my buddy Jack went out there to cover which Rhode Island won in overtime. Actually, pretty good game there too. Um, that's besides the point. What ended up happening was, I think you had tweeted out something like, hey, say hi to Stormy Seymour or whatever. And I'm not kidding. I got like three or four messages after the game that was like, what do you guys have, the flight deck? Is that what it's called? And people were people were like, come on up to the flight deck. I'll buy you a beer. And I had to get on the plane ride home, so I couldn't. But I was like, wow, these people actually, like Rhode Island just beat this team. And they read a tweet that, hey, come, you know, talk to your buddy Stone if you see him. And next thing you know, I'm getting messages to come have beer with Dayton fans. So I was looking forward to Brooklyn last year. It didn't happen, but I know we will eventually meet up, uh, you know, someday. Hopefully, if you come to Rhode Island, we can get you at the Ryan Center or something too. But thank you for having me. Nonetheless, it's, it's been a blast. You hear that, A-10 fans? Make sure you're loud and proud. Wear red and be loud. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But you hear him, okay? Just be loud about your fandom because we have to keep convincing people that we matter. All right. That's like my life's work here on the show. So I extend that on to you. Please tell people that we matter. Dayton basketball matters. A10 basketball matters. Dayton URI matters. And it's coming up Saturday, 4 o'clock, CBS Sports um, tip off. And we're going to be live from Tim's live pregame show. We're doing it again. Had a great time last week. Uh, We'll be live at 2 p.m. Eastern from Timothy's Bar and Grill. You can catch us on ESPN Radio in Dayton. You can catch us uh, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, on Facebook. I believe we'll be on StreamYard as well. A lot of different ways you can catch us, um, and that's coming up your way, 2 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, To take you out tonight, I did some looking, and I always try to find a song that's topical, and I found out that uh, the Beaver Brown Band is actually from Rhode Island. Go, you know, Fun fact to take you out on the podcast tonight. So I'm going to take you out with On the Dark Side by John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. Until next time, Saturday, and then I think we'll be coming back to you Monday morning with an episode with Duquesne Johnny to preview the Duquesne game coming up on Tuesday. Uh, but until that time, when I catch you guys and you're back here on the program, do two things for me. Wear red, be loud, and we'll see you then.
Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdrafts up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.